This is Life, Body, Business, Impact with Fatima. Welcome, friends. I'm so grateful to have you here. I'm your host, Fatima Ingalls, fitness expert, best-selling author, lifestyle entrepreneur, founder of the Life, Body, Business, Fit Systems, and co-founder of the amazing Freedom Retreats. My mission is to positively impact 10 million lives, to inspire you to wake up and live from your bucket list of dreams instead of waking up one day with a bucket list of regrets. Get ready to be inspired with weekly episodes and interviews that disrupt your thinking and motivate you to build your best life, body and business. To change one life is to change many. So come with me now and let's get started with yours. Hey guys, before we dive into today's episode, you have the chance to win one of three Equalizer Bluetooth headphones. Perfect for listening to the podcast, listening to YouTube or your favorite music while you're working out. All you need to do is rate and review and subscribe to the show. Then hit the link down below in the show notes. It'll let me know that you've done that and you're in the draw to win. So let's go check out today's episode. Hey there, beautiful people. Thank you for joining us for today's interview. The incredible woman I'm chatting with today overcame cancer at the age of 23, had 10 different careers over a span of 20 years before fulfilling her life's purpose. She has sat at the feet of Buddhist monks, learned about alternative medicine and deepened her understanding of human consciousness. Our guest today is business intuitive, spiritual teacher, mentor and editor-in-chief Simone Gordon. Simone, it's a blessing to have you with us today. Thank you and welcome to the show. Hey, Fatima. Thank you for having me. Simone, I'd love to talk today about a few different things, but I'd love to talk, start talking about what a business intuitive is because at first I was like, what is a business intuitive myself? I didn't know. So for our listeners, what is a business intuitive? Well, it's mainly what I do, so I'll go, I'll go into that first and before I add all the other other kind of, you know, mundane bits. So business intuitive is uh, I use my intuition that when I am working with somebody, when I see them, I'm reading their energy. And it's not about, you know, I'm predicting that they need to have a new payroll person or, or they need to restructure their business in, in a way in which, uh, you know, to introduce another three staff. It's more about the energy that they're holding at the moment that's either blocking them or sabotaging them in some way from the business going to the next level. And so I'm helping them by intuiting what's blocking them in the, on the business front to understand, clear, and then be able to move on into what they want to create. The other parts of what I do, though, is on the practical side, uh, you know, I have a background in business, you know, for the last 25 years. I've been an entrepreneur um, across a wide uh, range of businesses like fashion and the stock market and civil construction and uh, permaculture and humanitarian work. So, you know, having jumped into all those different fields has given me a really broad perspective and, and quite deeply working in the trenches on how business works on a practical, structural level so that I can actually enhance my client's experience that when we do go through the energetics and we go through the the mindset the psychological blocks then we can actually look at what 
is the best route from here to kickstart and jump the business to allow them to fulfill what they're wanting to create. Okay, so um, obviously you've got all that business experience and I mentioned when I introduced you that you've had 10 different careers over 20 years. I'd like to go back to how did you come onto this path as a business intuitive or as an intuitive coach? How did you find yourself here? Because you've had all these different careers. Um, also mentioned you had cancer at the age of 23. Can you take us through how you found yourself doing what you currently do? Because it's not really a, a typical type of uh, a career, is it? No, it's not. And um, I always used to think there was something wrong with me because normal people would have a job, you know, a same job for, you know, maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years before they've been considered changing. And me, I'm doing it every two and a half years, change, changing tact. So I'll start with the, the cancer. I had thyroid cancer when I was 23. And and that, that kind of wake-up call got me looking at uh, the mind-body connection as far as disease is concerned. And there was also, when I was diagnosed, um, a very strong feeling that the, the the thyroid or the throat area was blocked. And so I'd manifested as a, a nodule or, or a tumour in that area in order to highlight to me that I wasn't expressing, you know, that I wasn't being me. I was actually you know, shut down. And when I look back, when I was a child or when I was in school, I should say, I was so terrified of opening up my mouth. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare speak or put up my hand in the classroom. And you know, I was bullied, but it wasn't that wasn't the reason. I was bullied because I was so quiet that I refused to actually participate because I was just so scared of being criticised and feeling like that there would be no return from the trauma if I actually even mentioned something new or something that was related to what I wanted to know. So. Being led on that, that track, I started becoming even more interested in, okay, what other diseases then affect other parts of the body? And then there was this knowingness uh, for me in particular uh, that as soon as I did find out that I had cancer, I just understood very clearly that it was about me not speaking my truth. So what I started to do besides getting healthy and and looking at the physical aspects of what I needed to do for my well-being, I looked at how can I speak out? How can I push myself to move past the criticism, the judgment that I anticipate? And that led me on a road to understanding a whole heap of other things you know, along my spiritual path. Uh, I never had another bout of cancer, even though I was told that it had spread into the other part of my thyroid and that I should get radioactive therapy and so forth. Uh, and it would lead to bone cancer. So nothing ever happened like th like that. You naturally uh, healed yourself. Well, I'd like to like to say that I healed myself because of I took care of myself and I actually started doing the things that I thought were responsible for blocking me in the first place. So I did the opposite. I just I wouldn't shut up. I'd start to talk, and as hard <laughs> as it would be, I'd put my hand up. Or you'd be in a public lecture, and I'd go, oh, I'm going to ask a question. Oh my God, my heart is beating so fast, but I'm going to do it anyway. And slowly, slowly, I overcame that fear, that illusion that I couldn't speak out for fear of something bad happening to me. Wow. So, I, moving, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah so moving forward, um, just being so curious about, you know, this mind-body connection and the spiritual, I just started delving into all, all of these paths around consciousness, around understanding the mind, thoughts, emotions, uh, you know, why we think the way we do. I mean, why why there are so many different cultures. I mean, we're all essentially human, but we all 
we all think in such diverse, different ways. And why is that? So, you know, going down that path of also, uh, you know, the Druids, witchcraft, uh, understanding tarot, you know, whatever I could throw myself into, I was like, let me let me understand, let me understand where this has come from and how to do this. But it was only for a time and a place because nothing really stuck as far as I'm going to make this a career until astrology came along and then I started dabbling in that. And astrology not being the sun signs but the, 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 the entire chart, which is a very complex model on understanding the blueprint of the human soul and then the cycles of evolution as that soul progresses through life. So I didn't take that seriously as a, as a career, but I took it seriously enough to continue studying it. And up until this day, I think I've got you know 15 years of study under my belt because one oh, never wow. ends up stopping studying yeah. this particular art. And now, so going back to all those different careers, so I've got those careers, you know, they're all happening, the fashion and the stock market and the civil construction and everything else that's going on. But in the backdrop, I'm studying astrology, I'm studying tarot, I'm, I'm learning from Buddhist monks, Buddhist nuns, I'm learning from shamans, I'm learning about um, just how the, the mind-body link works from scientists, from physicists, from, from people who have, you know, moved into that understanding or have had uh, experiences like Anita Morjani, you know, who, who died and then came back to explain what had happened in the afterlife. So just continuously really? learning. Yeah. She's a she's in my magazine actually. Um, having interviewed her, she's just one of my all-time favourite teachers, uh, just due to her her experiences and understanding of the afterlife. So bearing all of that in mind, um, it was just a very natural part of me that was as soon as anyone would turn up in my business world, I would ask questions or I would start to sense what was going on for them. And even though, let's say, I'm, I'm, you know, I had a, a men's styling business, so I had about 400 male clients in Melbourne, and, you know, I like the styling, I like the the overhaul. But what I would do, like in the process, was almost like a counselling session. You know, like I'd say, oh, is yeah. this going on in your life, or is this, is is this happening? And they'd go, yeah. How do you know? Or, or you know, so I'd sort of really enjoy going down that path and then it just kept on growing and growing so by the time I got to my last career which was in the humanitarian sector and I was working working for the Cottonon Foundation uh, as a contractor uh, in Uganda I was I was giving readings to the staff and I was just tuning into the Ugandan community because you know obviously doing something like this in Uganda they're a very Christian Catholic uh, society where this sort of thing is, is frowned upon uh, but I would still use it as a means of being able to guide me to help people, you know, the, spot the leaders, be able to interpret what was really being said, you know, see the energy behind the words. And that helped navigate to build the micro businesses and help the people who really wanted to be supported in the micro businesses and help their communities. Because you're always looking at, I mean, I have to say, there's, there's good with bad and thereby there are people who are, wanting things to mani or manipulate situations in order for them to get the best outcome or to utilise resources for what they need as opposed to the community needs. Mm. Uh, and that goes without saying, I think, across the board. But that that kind of just understanding that and seeing that immediately 
gave me the path, the map to be able to say, okay, these are who, the people who I want to work with. And when I work with them, I just I just would drop little things. This is in Uganda, by the way. I would just drop little things with um, leaders in the community and that would kind of fuel a, fuel a spark, you know, into a bonfire that, that would allow them to take the, the bull by the horn, so to speak, and run with the project. And in other times, you know, people who were really accepting of this work and I could feel it, I'd just be straight out. Let me let me let me have let me have a look at your chart. So this is all going on in the background as kind of like I was a closet intuitive going, Oh, oh, let me do this. <laughs> let, let me <laughs> let me do you know this is happening or do you would you like some input or would you like to to understand what's actually going on? Because people would always speak to me very quickly and very easily, immediately about what was going on in their lives without me even actually asking. So it got to a point where where I felt like I was ready to take this, kind of come out of the closet, proclaim, proclaim myself like a energy worker, healer, intuitive, mentor, whatnot, everything that I'd been doing anyway and call it a label, you know, put myself under a label, which I never actually like labels, but nonetheless it was something to actually bridge to people understanding what it was I was doing and thereby, thereby be able to help fully rather than hide behind a tree and then wave my hand and go, I'm over here, I'm over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you started to, you'd say you started to follow your your passion and and is this your life purpose, Simone? No, it's not my life purpose. It's, it's part of it. Uh, you know, the next project that I'm working on currently is a large scale sanctuary that incorporates um, uh, forest bathing, gardens, spa and water therapy, um, uh, underground sound healing chamber, oh, uh, wow. food and yeah, I could go, I could go it on. It sounds incredible. But it is, it's a spiritual mecca for people who want to come out of their busyness and find presence and stillness and sense of self through all the different activities including the activity of meditation. But you know, I wouldn't have been able to do even go get close to developing such a centre if it weren't for my understanding or where I've come to around who I am, what I'm capable of, getting over my all my own doubts and fears and illusions to be able to step into this in a way which allows me to give back and give back in a way which is going to be impactful rather than one-on-one. You mentioned there um, lots of things, but I want to go back to speaking truth. So with your cancer and um, it being in your thigh or your throat, you talked about speaking your truth. How important has that been and how important is that for people in life in general? Because this conversation seems to be coming up a lot um, for me with different people at the moment and a lot of people are talking about not speaking their truth and the fact that it can make you unwell and, and resentful. Why do people need to speak their truth and how does it, how does it affect them if they don't speak their truth, Simone, not just um, in their health but maybe in their careers or their entrepreneurial journey? Well, not I guess where, where will I start with this? Not speaking one's truth means that, well, in, in, in my opinion anyway, in the work that I'm doing, is something is not being, wanting to be said, something is not being said that wants to be said. And it's looking at the reasons why it is not being said. So 
it you know from from my experience working with clients it's usually around the fear of criticism and it's usually associated with something that has occurred in early childhood let alone let's not look at past lives for the moment but the the early childhood experiences and if there was a nurturing environment or if there was you know in a school environment something that, that there was bullying or they felt like they didn't belong or they were rejected or they were different and they weren't encouraged to be different or they weren't seen, then they get used to feeling like if they do say something, then some form of rejection may happen, some form of judgment, some form of negative outcome may happen, which stops them from actually saying what they want to say. And then they become the people pleaser or they become uh, quiet and just kind of toe the line or don't want conflict and are constantly looking for a way of harmonising and through harmonising become they compromise themselves in the process by putting the priorities of somebody else, uh, somebody else's needs in front of their own. So it's when speaking one's truth, it's, it's really about not being frightened to say what you're feeling, what's going on for you at the time. And, of course, doing it with, a, with compassion not blame, not finger pointing, not feeling like, you know, you're entitled to actually put somebody else down or make somebody else feel bad because there's a win-lose situation. Mm. It's about being respectful and respectful of oneself and respectful of the other. And by holding that space and holding that energy for self, it usually does have a great impact even without words on the other person in which uh, you are holding that space with. Thank you for that. I think that's um, going to be really, really helpful for a lot of people. And like I said, there's been a lot of conversations coming up around this particular topic, speaking truth and how it affects so many aspects of your life, health um, included. So, and you had firsthand experience with that. So if, if a person is feeling blocked, how do they become unblocked? Because you mentioned you're building this beautiful spiritual mecca where people can be present and be still which is so hard to do or it seems so hard to do in today's world where you've got information overload and it's coming at you left, right, centre and, you know, people really struggle to not be on their phone first thing in the morning. And I feel that that contributes to to a lot of the blockage that people seem to feel and that stops them from really stepping out in life and living from a bucket list of dreams rather than, you know, potentially a bucket list of regrets because they – are afraid and unclear and uncertain, don't know which way to go. Sometimes maybe they feel stuck um, as to where they can go with their life or their career. How do they stop feeling like that, stop feeling blocked and stuck? Well, okay, so that's a big question. Um, mm. Usually it does, it takes a little bit of time. What one first is realising What's the blockage about? Bringing awareness to what the blockage is about. So it all emanates from the mind and it starts with a thought. So if you can identify what that thought, what what those different thoughts are that are repeating over and over again, creating a belief, and then the emotion that's associated with that, then you are definitely on the way to bringing awareness and presence to that which has been entangled with your sense of self. Because we have so many thoughts that are running through our heads um, uh, on a constant basis that just to stop and even dissect one thought from the spaghetti tree of thoughts takes energy. So, you, you know, being still, 
meditating is one way of actually understanding what it is that's going through for you. Another way is reflection from another person. So I find this this part really interesting is that whenever something is coming up for me or whenever there's something coming up for my clients, I ask, okay, present to me somebody who has something similar going on, like because my vibration, their vibration is similar. And usually what I'll find that someone will come into my life that's got something very similar happening and because it's them, I can see so clearly what it is that's going on for them, which may not have been so clearly for me, yet is still living within me. And it's like, thank you very much. You've just pointed out what's going on for you is actually going on for me. And then I can I can jot down, I can write down what that is and how I'm feeling about it. Then the next step, I would say, is once you've accessed an emotion that's associated with the thoughts that are going on about how you how you think of yourself or what you believe like uh, let's see you know for example I don't I don't deserve to receive you know like I, I need I need to overcompensate and overdo for somebody else which means I don't I don't believe that I need to receive and somebody shows up in your life that's got the same kind of thing going on and the associated emotion with with I don't believe that I deserve to receive is a a depression, a hopelessness, a despondency. Uh, it could be any emotion, but I'm just giving you three as an example. You would just sit with that. You would sit with that emotion. It may be sadness that you haven't been able to give to yourself. It may be grief. And you sit with that and you allow that emotion to actually be with you. And by being able to observe the emotion, you put some distance between you and the emotion and you being the consciousness. And the emotion is only it is, isn't you. The emotion is what you cultivate, what you construct, what you what you create for yourself. But unfortunately, we become quite entangled in it and it becomes like a messy snowball, you know, running down the mountain where we can't extract ourselves from the emotion and it continues to build momentum. So if we can sit still for a moment and we can observe that emotion, if we can allow it to permeate, if we can allow it to infiltrate and be still, it will move through us. Because it's just like a cloud moving through, a, you know, a clear blue sky. It will eventually pass, but you've got to be able to see the cloud, you know, in the sky. If you're looking down, looking at your feet, you won't see it. So a very important part of this process and what I do with my clients is observe your emotion. Be okay with it. Don't resist it. Allow it. Accept it. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel grief. It may last for a day but it will pass. And then that allows greater perspective and a greater insight into who you are and clearing the road so that you can actually move towards your dreams. I will say one other really interesting thing is that lots of people have dreams, right? So, you know, they have desires, they have aspirations. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, when you create a desire, when you create a dream, or it feels like automatically that any obstacle on the way to that dream wants to start presenting itself because the dream is something that you haven't experienced before, yet the obstacle, the, the thoughts and the beliefs are something that you live with because they're still there. So you have to clear them, but on the way to the dream, they present themselves in order to be clear, and I call that an opportunity rather than... I like uh, that. Yeah, rather than seeing it as 
why is this happening to me all the time and I can't stand this and this is every every time I try and do something for myself it it just still goes pear-shaped and I'm just going to give up see it as an opportunity because the obstacles are actually presenting themselves because you've asked for something and when you ask for something automatically you're on a path to achieving it but you must clear the lower vibrations which are in the way like clearing the logs off the road and without doing that it's it's difficult to achieve your dreams so the opportunity presents see it as an opportunity and do the work and you will see you will see the changes that will occur once those layers start to to come off thanks for that simone that's really interesting and i like that um you know, as obstacles present, you see them as opportunities. I think uh, myself and so many people listening would definitely um, relate to what you just said as possibly, you know, Murphy's Law, as soon as I decide to do something, then this is going to happen. And and I think we can start catastrophizing, um, or I know I certainly have in the past started to catastrophize because that's what I sort of focused on. Whereas um, these days and for the last few years, my train of thinking in relation to the obstacles being opportunities was or is oh great there's something trying to stop me the obstacle that means I'm on the right path because the dreams when you've got those big dreams correct me if I'm wrong but when you've got those big dreams they're absolutely going to be things that are challenging you to see if it's really what you want to do if you're willing to to do the work because at the end of the day there's it's great having all these dreams and goals but there's got to be some work, hard work involved in getting there because you need to be able to stay there and keep moving forward, I think. What are your thoughts? Absolutely, 100%. Um, and the hard work often is in the emotional debris, the fallout from what it is that you're clearing. And so it feels hard because it's usually a heavy emotion. It's usually something that is uncomfortable and we don't like sitting in depression we don't like sitting in in sadness um, we'd rather be playfully gleefully being happy or enthusiastic or looking forward to something with great expectation however that's that hard work that you speak of is necessary as a means to one accept that which is part of life and learn how to navigate it with ease and grace even though it may not feel like that nonetheless not providing resistance will allow you to move through that far more quickly quickly than it than it will um, resisting it. Speaking of um, it being difficult and hard when we've got these challenges, let's talk about flow state because that seems to be coming up a lot as a you know a bit of a buzzword as well. I've explored this myself um, with you about being in your flow state as opposed to trying to force something. So you're you're after a goal, you're in your business, or or you're wanting to leave your career and and follow a particular passion or a dream, but it seems hard. What's the difference between following a goal and dream in your flow state as not being in your flow state? What is your flow state? This is another big question, is, is that when it's easy, when things synchronistically come together, where the right people pop up, where you're trusting and you're being guided by your feelings, because ultimately your feelings are your GPS, your radar that's leading you into the right direction. And when you can, when you sense that from a deeper level, when your, your body is your best radar and when you're in your heart space, then you can navigate and flow towards what is calling you, even though it has not manifested yet, which is the faith and trust that goes alongside with flow. 
And that faith is really something that you have asked for that is on its way but hasn't shown itself in form yet. And you can feel it and you can know it and you're gravitating towards it and you're doing things which feel right on your way to doing it. Now, as opposed to force, which is making something happen. For example, you've got a business and you want to you want to get more customers. Okay, so you you contact 20 people and you just kind of fire rapid fire uh, emails out, not discerning, not 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 knowing who you're really targeting, but you're just getting out there, getting as many people as you can in order, you know, because one's going to hit, you know, one's going to come off, one's going to be successful in which to allow you to to get that sale or to get that connection or to, to build that network. Whereas you're forcing something, you're making something happen, you're, you're not feeling if that's the right way to do it, you're perhaps, tr- you're perhaps being guided by traditional means of statistically if you hit this many people, you will get this result. But there's no emotion to it. There's no there's no feeling state. There's no guidance to it. It's just it's just you sporadically just getting out there and doing the best you can and seeing where you land. The flow state doesn't involve that. The flow state, I mean, in my experience, is that I, whenever I ask for someone to turn up, for example, uh, you know, especially with this this new project, uh, I feel guided to perhaps ask somebody and then the next thing I know they're letting me know who to contact and that person happens to be the perfect person that I need to mentor me in an area of of expertise that I have no idea about rather than contacting 16 different experts in that field and seeing which one's going to land having having no relationship with them whatsoever now that's to say I don't have a relationship with the other person that I've just managed to find that's the one person mm-hmm. but I trust that when I have a very strong intention that I'll be led to the one person without having to utilize more resources than necessary more energy than necessary and so there is a traditional way of doing things and I would have to say that the masculine way is far more action orientated go 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 hustle 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 which is all about you know getting out there and and doing and the feminine flow state because masculine has a flow state as well but the feminine flow state is very much about going into that inner space listening to the the feelings listening to what's being asked of you and the best way I think to describe that would be if you're feeling if you're asking for something to appear or you're asking for guidance and you're heading in a particular direction and if it feels contracted or if it doesn't feel right, trust that. You're not going in the right direction. If it feels expansive, if it feels like, yes, you're being called, you're being guided, you know, to to go where you need to go, then follow that, trust that of where it's going to lead you. Because whatever you've held an intention for, and I think intentions are incredibly important for participating in this flow state, that the intention sends out a vibration, it sends out an instruction, and all you have to do is let go and not overanalyze, not overthink it, and not put too much doing energy into making something happen before it it's time for it to appear of its own accord. And I'll give you a, uh, another example of that. Is that I woke up yesterday morning, and 
uh, my friend just popped into my head that I, I needed to go and visit him. So I, I went I, I went to visit him and I hadn't seen him for a little while. And it turns out that he needed help uh, with the bushfires that are going on currently. And he's in the, the, the direct line of fire of his house being burnt down. So I felt drawn to come here and to help him because he didn't have the help to clear around the house and to reconnect and to to be able to assist when he had no assistance. So it doesn't matter what it is. It's just allowing yourself to trust that where you're being guided is in the right time and the right place and it will it will take you to where you want to go with the least amount of energy needed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's wonderful that you've come out there and been guided to come out and help your friend and I truly hope that the fire doesn't go anywhere near his home and that it's contained for everyone that is being affected by that at the moment. Um, with the intuition and, you know, the flow state and listening to it, I want to go back to how do you listen to it when it's so noisy, you know, with that feminine energy? How do you listen to that intuition and discern that it is intuition when there is all this busyness and noise from the minute you wake up in the morning, your mind's just go, 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 go. I've been known to say I can't hear myself think, you know, which is more like I can't. I can't, con- I can't connect with intuition. That's what it's meant really to me in the past because of all this noise. What are some practical things that someone can do to combat that? To, because sometimes you're like, is it my intuition? Is it my head? Or is it some other idea that someone else, you know, that I've read about or listened to? How do you discern that? And what are a couple of practical things you can do to help? Okay, so that's a really good question. So first I'll talk about um, when, when it's noisy we're talking about the head, we're talking about the analysis, we're talking about thoughts, we're talking about streaming, almost like, um, you know, nonstop Netflix, you know, through your head yeah. and not being able to switch off the channel. And so that has a very different quality to it. It's a, it's a busyness, it's, a, it's an analysis, it's, a, it's almost like a, a black and a white, a wrong and a right. Um, it's not in a place in which you can discern very easily what the right thing is to do. Now, the the part that the intuition part lives within the whole body or even in the heart, but it's a whole body experience. It's a feeling. So when you can go back to the feeling of does this feel contracted or does this feel expansive, it's the most simplest way to do it is to then, now if you've got a question about something, like, should I go on a date with this guy, you know, for example? And you you don't look at his profile and go, oh, well, he's got a great job and he lives close by and he's got 2.5 kids and they're all older and that would work well for me. And <laughs> you know, that's analysis, right? Yeah. Right? So, it's like analysing it on paper, ticking exactly. boxes. Yeah. And you, 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 you're ticking off all the boxes and that may all look good on paper, but the chemistry may not be there. So... Drop back into your heart space. Drop back into your body. Feel. You can you can just ask and you can feel, okay, do I really feel like going on this date? Does this feel like something that I'm being drawn to? Am I being pulled to this person um, or not? Do I feel like this is a chore? Do I feel like I can be bothered? Do I feel like this is, doesn't feel right for some reason? And trust it. Trust what's coming up for you. Because often the, the, the tick boxes, the checklist, uh, really doesn't warrant the energetic signature of the person because they come in a package that you'll never expect that will deliver everything you want, 
you've analysed it to death that you can't see through the, the package that you're receiving that he's the perfect guy, yet there are things that you're not accepting uh, because it's all analysis. Uh, so that's, a, that's an example. But coming back to how do you clear the mind, you know, for example, meditation will, is, helps tremendously because by focusing on your breath, when you focus in on something and your breath is one of those things where it's very easy to focus in on as opposed to the television screen, um, what you're doing is your mind cannot focus on two things at once, as in your mind cannot generate thought and focus in on your breath at the same time, can only do one thing at once. So when it's focusing on your breath, the mind starts to slow down. It can't cultivate thought anymore. And through that space, you start to actually get access to that intuition. You get access to that all body knowing that is allowing you to be directed and you can hear and it gets to such a state. And speaking from my own experience where images may appear, um, you know, like a voice or a kind of vibrational message may drop in or feeling like a blob of information has dropped in in order to yeah. really understand, you know, what it, where it is that you're going next. And that is such a valuable roadmap that when you can still the mind enough and when you can – and part of that also is that self-acceptance and nurturing, that if you give back to yourself, if you look after yourself, as you're doing your meditation, if you value yourself, there is a heightened degree of love. You know, you're raising your vibration. And with that heightened degree of love for oneself, it is much easier and clearer to receive those messages, that, that, that understanding of where you're to go next or what is occurring for you in this very moment. I love that. Everyone, just about everyone that I have interviewed talks about meditation um, and, you know, all the successful entrepreneurs. Um, healthy uh, doctor who was on a couple of weeks ago. She talks about the importance of meditation. She works in an ER room in in the US, which is very, very busy and sees, I guess, outcomes of what people are doing to themselves. But you said your mind, when, you, when you're meditating, it's because you're concentrating on your breathing that you can't focus on all those thoughts in your head. Is that correct? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's guided meditations where you can listen to someone speaking. So mm -hmm. you're listening to someone speaking. So the, the, you, you can't be starting to think unless your mind races off somewhere else, which is entirely possible that it will. But as you get used to either listening to somebody else or you're listening to your breath or you're, you're, you're focusing in on the, the point of your nose or your third eye point, wherever your focus is going and where it's concentrating in the present moment, it, it doesn't allow the mind to run away with itself, to start chattering, carrying on with a story as such. Yeah. And it does chatter a lot, doesn't it? Your mind, it just goes off. I know mine's, yeah, 100 miles, 100 miles an hour with all sorts of things. As soon as I wake up, um, even, you know, in the first minute, I need to put that meditation on because my head is just going off with all these things that need to be done for the day straight away. So, um, again, meditation guided, do you recommend guided for people who are new to it or... Yes, I, I would say that um, guided meditation is a, is a very helpful tool to be able to just soften uh, soften the experience rather than jolt them into trying, you know, to, to be silent or trying to maintain some silence in, in the headspace. And it's comforting. I guess it would be comforting to listen to somebody's voice take you through a tranquil forest and 
allow yourself to be eased into a state of uh, relaxation. And as you get better at quietening your mind, then you can go into the the more silent, uh, focused or mindfulness type techniques that allow you to drop into an even deeper space. And you just experiment with that because thought is always going to be there. If you can observe your thought in meditation and just allow it to go and come back to the breath when your mind gets distracted, then what you're doing is you're not resisting or you're not telling yourself, oh, oh, I've, I've failed or I've, I've you know, done something wrong or I, I'm not good at this and I'm never going to be able to steal my mind. Rather, you are, oh, there was another thought. Okay, come back to my breath. I'm coming back to my breath. And so this breath work, especially um, in Kundalini Yoga, which which I practice, and, and, and Hatha Yoga as, as well, is this, this, you know, either breath of fire or when you're doing, um, you know, four breaths in, holding the breath, four breaths out, or you're doing, you know, blowing out the breath through the mouth and breathing, inhaling the breath through the nose. You're doing something with the breath that is actually taking uh, the mind, stilling the mind because you are in activation around something quite profound um, that's keeping you alive and keeping you focused and keeping you in the moment as it's occurring so nothing much else can go on you know yeah. other than the concentration of making you know that psychical breath continue to 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 go on yeah so you're just keeping your focus in in one beautiful spot and it's kind of like you some of my um guests have described it as you know getting their best ideas when they meditate. They can't get their best ideas for their businesses if they don't meditate. It's like these light bulbs pop up during their meditation. Light bulb moments happen during their meditation. Absolutely. You said, you know, thoughts drop in or ideas drop into your your mind or wherever it is, your mind, your heart, your head. (laughs) Um, I want to just finish off talking a little bit about hustle. I mean, we've, we've, kind of covered this but why is it important for people not to hustle all the time because entrepreneurs are constantly getting that message especially if you if you're new if you're a solopreneur in particular or quite small it's like hustle 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 you know sleep when you're dead just work you only need three hours sleep tell us why it is not always um the best thing to do i I think there's seasons where we can do that you can really work hard um to meet a target and a goal but why is it um, detrimental to constantly be hustling? Because you're constantly doing. And in the doing process, you you are unable to hear the inner impulse. And that impulse is that intuitive whisper, that intuitive voice that says, do this, or, you know, this is the direction. So when you're doing, 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 there isn't a space. You, you haven't taken time out to listen to that inner whisper and the way that that I personally work is I'm constantly listening for that impulse that that thing that says now you're going over here in the direct in this direction so for example uh, I'm working on the sanctuary and I'm putting together the business plan at the moment and so I I sit still with that and go okay there's so many different facets to this business plan and I could hustle, hustle, hustle. I could just, you know, rip this thing out. But I know that there are people that need to come into my life, experts in their field, to be able to guide me in particular areas that are going to make this business plan come together in a way in which is 
uh, not foolproof, but he's going it's going to really address uh, a lot of the issues that my investors would want, want addressed. So I listen, okay, who do I need to go to next? And then the next thing will happen. Okay, risk assessment. Okay. And then I bring in the person. That person kind of arrives in my space, risk assessment. It usually only takes me a maximum of a week to bring that person in because I'm either asking or somehow, some way it's come to me. And then I do. Then I act. Then I organise the appointment. Then I organise you know, all the questions. Then I compile all of the um, information. And then it goes into the business plan. Beautiful. So so there is this space that's it's almost like a sabbatical where you're sitting under a tree and you're allowing yourself to hear where you're going next. And in that flow state, what you're doing is minimising the amount of resources, the expenditure of your energy that you would normally have to use in hustle, hustle. But now you're like you've got a direct route. Ah, that's the way. That's the path. There may be 16 different paths in front of you, but that's the path. I don't need to travel down 16 different paths. I just need the one path that's taking me exactly where I need to go because it feels right. And thereby, hustle doesn't live in my world. And I would say to my clients in particular, when they've been used to doing that, I'd say stop the doing. I've got a client at the moment where basically she's on a three-month sabbatical when she's wanted to do, 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 do to create her program for her business. But the thing is that she hasn't, she hasn't changed internally enough yet. Uh, she hasn't transitioned. She's right in the middle of a transition. And so she's trying to do it the old way, create a program the, from the old sense of being or sense of self, which is a little bit difficult to do when you're in transition and everything's kind of, you know, upside down in your world. So she's actually having to wait until she hears the impulse to do the next thing, what's the next thing. And it may be a snippet of the program, but not the whole program. It may be actually going on a course when she didn't think that she needed to go on a course to learn something additional to what she's actually supplying. And through that experience of stillness that she's going through in that transition theory phase, she actually gets the experience to teach her clients what it is that she's actually wanting to bring out into the world. So there's a, a rhyme and a rhythm to everything in listening, even though it may be uncomfortable to take a break. Um, and in her case, three months, it was uncomfortable, still going mm -hmm. on, that she's come to the space where she's so used to it now that it's okay that she's not beating herself up and thereby this hustle business really is about, well, from what I've observed um, with a number of my clients is they're not good enough. I'm not good enough. If I stop, then I'm useless or I'm not doing my bit or I'm not participating in the way I should be participating in the world. Thereby, who am I? And what am I doing here? And I've been told that in order for me to be anybody, I need to actually be producing. I need to be outputting. And you don't. Just being your sense of self and being okay, and that's just enough in what you are doing, whether you are getting through your task list or whether you haven't. It's okay. But being able to then correlate that to I don't need to hustle today. I need to take a break today or I need to go to the beach and I need to recoup or I need to take a bath and, you know, do what's next for me. That's totally okay because there is a rhyme and a rhythm. There, there are cycles that are inner and there are cycles that are outer. And some cycles are bigger than others. 
where your your inner may be a period of a year or your inner may be a period of three weeks where you've just got to take time out. And your outer may be a period of a year or it may be a period of a really intense burst to four weeks before you get to the next phase where you're slowing down so that you can actually get the next the next impulse or Okay, so when you're talking about your inner and your outer, your outer is more like your period of hustling that you're going no, through? The, no, the inner the inner, the part is the listening to the impulse, that quiet space, that place where you go to actually reflect and to listen and to actually check in and say, is this what I want? Is this what I'm doing? Does this feel mm-hmm. right? Am I, am I talking to the right people? Should I be going into, uh, you know, some sort of joint venture with this person that's just popped up? Let me feel into that. Let me just not rush into that and do, do, do. Let me just feel into that and see whether that's appropriate. And if that is feeling right and I take a week to do that and it's all good, then the doing will just, everything will fall into place. The synchronicity of events, people will come together, it will flow. And then you know that you're on the right path, that things are happening in a way where there's no resistance and there's no blockage and you're not forcing something to happen because the resistance in you says, I must do it, I must work to this degree, I must work my 60 hours, otherwise I'm not a useful human being or I'm not a productive human being. And that's the resistance that causes all sorts of stress and further hustle, further doing, further uh, further self-judgment and criticism when none is required. All that's required is your self-acceptance and continuously to give yourself a pat on the back for what you have achieved and to continuously appreciate what you have done as opposed to what you haven't done. It's really interesting that you um, mentioned there, you know, people comparing themselves in the hustle and not being good enough because, again, so many conversations I've had with um, entrepreneurs, they're constantly feeling like that. They struggle to um, listen to their body and take that time out and get take that feedback that the body is telling them that they need to slow down to get into their flow and, and hear those impulses you're talking about um, because they'll go, oh, you know, we're getting these messages that if you've got these goals and dreams, you just need to work hard to get it or that other person who's an entrepreneur is, you know, they're up at four o'clock in the morning and they're constantly working, they're constantly doing this. So you start, people are comparing themselves a lot. And I guess that just um, reiterates that that issue of not being that thought of not being good enough and that that belief that they aren't good enough, which I guess just keeps making it worse. It just makes it harder to to hear that that impulse and find that flow state, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. And I can't tell. You, I mean, like neither is you know like the flow state or the the you know intuitive state. It's one way of doing things. You know, it's it's a beingness. It's far more of a being in doing, uh, you know, when you get the impulse and then you do. And then the hustling, well, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to hustle, if that's the way that you want to live life, but look around and see how many people are suffering from stress, from burnout, from fatigue, mm. from, from many. Uh, you know, having to go on antidepressants or feeling like, you know, life is meaningless. Because, because often they're doing things for the sake of doing without the, the essence of self and the passion that is being allowed to come through them and be heard as far as the, the right path for them, what works for them. And so then we start to talk about our truth again, don't we? Because if we're not listening to our truth and what's coming from within us and we're listening to what 
society tells us or what our parents have told us or what our best friend is telling us that should be the right thing to do and we're not listening to ourselves, then we're down the wrong track. We're not listening to what life wants to live through us, what our talents are, what our abilities are and how that wants to be expressed. So if we can sit still and listen to that part of ourselves and continuously love ourselves for it, then we will create a vibration that that just continuously moves us into the direction of how life wants to live through us in conjunction with how we're co-creating and what our desires are in life. Obviously meeting our obstacles and then seeing our obstacles still as, as um, opportunities yeah. and those opportunities are just, it can be moved through with ease and grace. They don't need to be catastrophic. Um, although I will say that, you know, some people, you know, will lose a, lose a partner or relationship. They'll, lose a house maybe, they'll lose a job and all of it because it is an opportunity in some way because they've asked for a new life and in doing so they've had to destroy an old life and that's how it's showing up for them. Yeah, that's a very interesting um, perspective and definitely one, um, I believe, of growth. Definitely one of growth. Simone, where can people find you? You've got a magazine and I'll make sure I put the link for that in the show notes. But where can people connect with you if they want to learn a little bit more about what you do and maybe look into your services? Okay, so um, the website is simonegordon.com, which is Mm -hmm. uh, S-Y-M-O-N-E. Yes, unusual spelling. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you'll find there all, all the services and there's even a complimentary call if you'd like to, if anyone has some questions and just to, just to see what's going on, I'm very happy to talk to people and see if we're a fit as well um, before we go any further because I love working with people who are extremely motivated about growth and expansion and living their dreams as well as much as they are about uncovering the layers. So more than happy to help anyone who's curious who just wants to have a chat. They can book in. highly recommend you take Simone up on that offer. Simone, before we go, are there any parting messages that you'd like to leave with the audience? I can't stress enough how important it is to trust your intuition and have the faith to believe that what you have asked for is on its way. In some form or shape, it is on its way. Just continue to believe and continue to move through the through the days, through the layers. It will show up. Often it's it's it can be quite hard that when we're immersed in the weeds, we can't see the forest, you know, through mm. the trees. And so just keep trusting and keep holding the faith because it will arrive. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely a pleasure to speak with you. And I know that a lot of what you've shared will definitely be taken on board and will help someone who's listening. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me on board. I mean, I love talking to you. You're just such an inspiration, especially what you've been doing in your life. Thanks a lot, Simone. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I truly hope you have found it beneficial and have taken some value from it. Hopefully a lot. If you did, please, please share this show with anyone you feel may need to hear it. I would also absolutely love if you would take a minute or two to review this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform you happen to be listening to it on. With your help, we can accomplish my mission to positively impact 10 million lives. That would be so awesome. Now, if you want to connect with me or my guests on other platforms, or if you want to send me an email with questions or ideas of guests to interview, please check out the show notes. 
I am so incredibly grateful to have had your time today and I can't wait to have you on the next episode. Have a great day.